Welcome to The Peachy Life. I'm Mac. I'm going to be your host, and I am so excited about this podcast. It's all about real life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the peachy. Welcome back. I am so excited to be here with you today. And I'm just kind of going off script and just kind of talking about life. So before we do that, I like to bring you guys funny little stories every now and then of my kids and my husband and just what's going on with life with us. And I got to tell you, sometimes the mom guilt just really is bad with me. I always feel like I need to do more or set more time aside. So the other day, I took my daughter to my favorite place, and that place is Sam's Club. We love to go and shop for goodies, clothes, and sample the food while we're there. So as we're walking into Sam's, Elle always plays the game, don't step on the crack or you break your mama's back. And of course, me being the cool mom that I am, decided that I needed to start playing the game too. And we began to skip over every little crack in the road. And as we're skipping, we're laughing. We look like we're in a fairy tale. And all of a sudden, I trip over my foot and fall flat on my face. And this wasn't just like a normal fall flat on your face. This was like someone called 911. I just shook the daggum earth. It, Y'all, it was the hardest fall. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. So it was kind of like slow motion too. I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like this, but I know that I'm going to fall and I'm trying to brace myself and I can't. So it's like I'm slow motion knowing that I'm about to hit my face right in the ground. And as I hit, I knew like something was really bad. I broke my, I was like, I broke my hip L. I think I broke my hip and I'm just laying there mortified. And this little, little teenage guy pushing the buggies across the Sam's parking lot is like, ma'am, are you okay? Do you need help? And I'm offended at that point because I'm a 33 year old woman. I am not, I am, I am not in need of help. I am capable of getting up. And at that moment, I'm like, no, I am fine. I'm 33. I can handle this. Y'all, I limped through the store the rest of the trip, and like the next week, my body is so sore. I feel like I'm an 80-year-old woman. So, you know, I, I do get that I'm only 33, and to some of you, that's not old. But uh, if I look back and I feel like that when I was 18, I could get up and hop around like a little teenager, and now it's like it takes me a month to recoup. So... Stay safe out there, guys, if you're at Sam. So anyway, let's let's get into today. I am excited about today. I just spoke at a women's conference this past weekend, and it, it was such a healing process for me. And not only did I get something out of it, I feel like I reached um, some women that was there that needed to hear what I was saying. And I want to bring that exact message here today. And I hope that it lifts you up and I hope that it encourages you. And this is probably going to be a two-parter because it's going to go in deep uh, with my story. And it starts all the way back at childhood, y'all. And this is for any little girl who wants to be loved, but maybe feel like they're not good enough. You are good enough. And I'm here to share my story and to show you where God has taken me along the way. So my story starts back at childhood, y'all. If you could think about the most Tom 
boyish girl that wears sneakers and has a shag and is all about sports. That was me. I was just a happy kid who not only loved food, but I loved uh, people to love me. I wanted to, I wanted people to love me and, and I wanted to feel needed. And sometimes I, I didn't feel that as a kid. And that's hard for me to say, but it, it's just the truth. And this is my truth. And I want to share that with you today in hopes that it does help you. And not only did I want love from family and my friends, but I did like boys, you know, I I did like boys. And although I was a tomboy, I would flirt with boys and I would want them to flirt back. But see, the exterior of me was not what society said was acceptable. So, you know, I was, I felt like I was pushed away a lot. I feel like people did like me, but they couldn't love me because of the way I looked. And I didn't really take that to heart um, until I, I, I got a little older. So as a, as a girl, as a, as a small child, I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I have somebody close to me that just constantly degrades my looks and, the, and, and who I am. And, you know, I, it just became the norm because it happened so much. And I just never felt good enough for really anybody. I, I just, I looked at food. Food made me feel good. So I ate food and um, I was just kind of in my own little world, but I knew I didn't belong. I always felt a little lost. I always felt that there was a little dark darkness within me. Um, and I remember searching for God during those times, and I just couldn't find him. There was just a disconnect. And although I wanted to be happy, I would look at other girls like my age who had long, beautiful hair, and boys would just kind of like dote over them. And then I'm just over there shooting a basketball and eating a Twinkie. <laughs> And just love and life. But you, you see that the world we live in, it's it's not a, people tell you to be yourself. But when you truly are yourself, you can't be accepted unless you're what society tells you that you are or what your parents tell you that you are or your friends. So, you know, as I'm growing up, I feel like I've got somebody close to me who's degrading me nonstop. And I can't ever I can't ever show that person that I'm good enough. So I'm fighting that battle. And then I'm fighting to fit in with my peers, even though I'm I'm such a different gal. I'm, I, I just beat I, I beat to my own drum. And I just remember growing up and just feeling so lost and so sad. And I grew up in a small country town, so everybody knew everybody and everybody knew everything. And I just remember junior high feeling the need to be accepted more, not only by the person who had degraded me my whole life, but also my peers. So I said, okay, well, if society is not accepting the way that I look with my shag haircut, I don't wear makeup and my shorts that go down to my knees and my high top sneakers, then I need to change something. So I allowed society to come in and say, this is who you're going to be. I'm going to change you so society will accept you. And the sad thing is, is I had the best heart. I really felt like I was a good person. And I didn't understand why I couldn't be accepted by somebody that was close to me. Why couldn't they love me? Or why couldn't my peers love me? And it was because my exterior didn't look a certain way. My interior was gold, I felt like. But my exterior was just a girl who wanted to go have fun and play basketball and eat Twinkies and drink a Coca-Cola. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's who you are. 
but I allowed others to tell me who I should be. So I guess it was junior high, I became extremely anorexic. I looked at that food as that's the one thing I can control in my life. You know, I can control what I put in my body. And maybe if I control it enough, it's going to change me enough to where others can accept who I am. Maybe I just need to change, okay? People don't, people can't accept me. So I've, I've, I've done something wrong. I need to change. So I did. And I became extremely anorexic. I watched every calorie. I remember going two weeks at one point without eating a single thing. I remember taking diet pills. And now that I have children of my own, this breaks my heart to think that Eloise would have to go through this um, to be accepted. It would break my heart. And that's why I'm so... um, such an advocate for lifting our kids up and telling them that they are awesome just the way they are. God made you a certain way. So I didn't, I didn't really have that. I didn't have somebody saying, oh my gosh, Ashley, you are just so, you're a great kid. I love that you can, you love sports and I love that you are a great kid. It was no, you've got to change. So I remember like maybe eighth grade to ninth grade year, I lost like 70 pounds. I was on the treadmill nonstop. I was watching every piece of food that went into my mouth. But through this, I became extremely depressed. I became even more sad. But what I did notice is with every pound that I lost, I feel like I gained a lot. So with every pound I lost, I feel like somebody liked me a little more. So internally, that feels really good. I'm getting attention. This person saying, oh, you look like you've lost 10 pounds. You're looking fabulous. Why don't you come hang out with us? Or the person close to me is saying, oh, if you lose 10 more pounds, I'll buy you a whole new wardrobe. You know, I'm getting fed that, okay, looks mean everything. So internally, I'm, I'm depressed, but I'm still feeling better. Like, oh my gosh, this is working. So it just became a pattern. And it was almost like this eat binge pattern I had. I was never bulimic. I never threw up, but I was extremely anorexic. And I think another thing that breaks my heart about this is this time in my life was shaping the rest of my life. It was shaping how I would view myself and it was shaping how I would have a relationship with food. And I know that sounds so simple. And, um, you know, when you're, I guess, 14, 15 years old and you are shape, your mind's still shaping. And if you're putting these thoughts in there, I feel like it's going to stick with you for a while. So I just remember just, I mean, I never really enjoyed life because I was always worried about eating. Like, what am I going to eat? Well, I really want this Twinkie, but I can't do that to myself because I'm going to gain 10 pounds or Oh, oh my gosh, if I just don't eat this week, then this weekend I can have chips and salsa. It was always this negotiation inside of my brain. And now that I'm 33 years old and I look back, I still remember the way it feels because today I still feel that sometimes and it sucks. And I'm sorry to say that, but it sucks. And I just remember going through high school and guys, I was not the perfect kid. I was a little stinker too. You know, I was, I was a stinker, but I did try to to do good. I did, but I don't want to let this episode going with thinking that I'm a little angel child because I had my my thoughts just like we all do. 
but I just remember wanting that acceptance and it just wasn't with my peers. And and I finally did get that acceptance and I and I had beautiful friends through high school that I still cherish today, but the one person that I needed acceptance from, I wasn't getting. And it was absolutely crushing every part of who I was. Because no matter how hard I ran or how far I went or what I did, I was never going to be enough for that person. And I needed it. So I just felt lost. I did. I felt lost. And I remember going to to church with my friends and trying to feel the presence of God in my heart and trying to let him work on me and to help me. Because like I said, I was flawed and I needed saving. I needed somebody to come in and say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to help you. And I just couldn't find it with God. There was such a disconnect. I believed in him. I, I, I would talk to him. But it was just such a disconnect. And it made me feel so, so lost and so, so depressed. And, and it just takes me to that to another point of looking at teenage girls today and they're finding their worth through their looks. And it breaks my heart. And I want to stop I want to stop the stigma in our looks or everything because it's only a a part of who we are. And if we only focus on our looks, we're missing the big picture. We're missing the true gift because now that I look back on it, I have struggled every day since. I have struggled every day trying to lose another pound or try to be this or try to be that. It's always, I got to do this to be better. It's you, There's never an end game. There's never a, uh, a finish line that you run across and there's just this weight lifted that you're done. When you have an eating disorder and you have disordered thinking around food, it is constant and it hurts and it makes you feel worthless. So I had this feeling with food and I had this feeling with the person close to me and just this unworthiness of, I am so not good enough. And I didn't have God there protecting me and telling me it's going to be okay. Even though he was there, I didn't feel it at the time. And I was just lost. So I remember just, you know, going on with life and just putting on that smile and trying to fit in the best I can. Or the best I could. And that's, and I think that's what a lot of people do today is just fit in the best they could. And that's why this platform is so important for me to be open and honest and, and to share what people really think. Because when we sugarcoat everything and you only see the perfect uh, reels on Instagram, it really is a punch to people's guts. They need to see that this is real life. It is messy. It is hard. It is not perfect. And the people that you see on Instagram, just because I have 124,000 followers makes me no different than if I had zero followers. I'm the same person. But people see a number. They see an exterior. And that's what they judge you on. And we've got to stop that. We've got to start taking time to get to know people and truly love people and to forgive people. And I have I, I have forgiven the person close to me who degraded me and did for almost 30 years. Uh, I've forgiven because if you don't forgive, you can't move on. And I have to tell myself that all the things that have been said in the past wasn't a true picture of who I am. I'm much more than a fat cow or my hair, or my makeup. 
I'm much more than that. And I've learned that through the years. And I've, I've even gone through counseling with this. And, and for me, that's the best thing that I could have done. But as I continue my story, you know, high school goes and um, I find Joel. Joel is my husband and he's amazing. He's just a different, like all the guys I remember in high school, Joel was always just so different. He was so calm and reserved and he just seemed like a good hearted guy. And he didn't, I I really don't feel like he looked at the exterior of things. I, I really feel like he wanted to get to know people. So I met Joel and of course we fell in love and this, we were about to leave for college, and he was going to Springfield, and I was going to a community college to play softball um, in Missouri. So we had to separate for a little while, but we were just drawn to each other. And I think that we both knew from the time that we were together in the very beginning that we would be spending the rest of our lives together because I think that that was a godsend. Like God had kind of known the things that I had gone through in my life. And he sent me somebody that was going to treat me like a princess and to love me no matter what I look like at my heaviest, at my lightest, at my meanest, at my saddest, at my happiest. He sent me Joel and Joel has been the best gift that I have ever been given. He loves me. He loves our girls. And that pattern that I had as a kid through teenager is not going to happen with our girls. And it's very, um, it just takes a weight off my shoulders because I know that they're going to be loved the way that they should. And I know that they're going to, to feel like they're enough. And that's so important. That's so important. And what I want to tell you guys about Joel is we were friends growing up. Like you you remember the shaggy hair and the Coca-Cola and the Twinkie. Joel would be beside me eating and drinking the same thing. Like we were buddies growing up and he liked me as a kid. We would play together. So I just, I think that God was slowly intertwining Joel into my life to have something beautiful. And it's turned out to be better than I could have ever imagined. But that does not take away from my mind and the mental um, challenges that I had going into my college years and adult in my early adulthood years. Um, It still was a constant fight with my weight. It was always just I felt like I was drowning. I could not. Food is life. You have to eat to live. And I felt like I was just drowning because I couldn't enjoy life because I was always worried about what I was putting in my mouth and how others viewed me. I always feel like I, ha- I felt like I had to be the best. I had to be here or next week I had to get here to be the best. I had to do something always. There was never a time that it was just good enough. I had to go to the gym twice a day. I had to make sure that I was drinking enough water or, or, or not eating a lot maybe two or 300 calories in a day. And it was exhausting. I was trying to keep up my grades. I was playing softball. And as a, as you have an eating disorder, I find that your weight fluctuates very quickly. And I remember that first year of college, I put on 15, 20 pounds easily. And that's even playing a sport because I could not control my eating. I would, I would not eat all week. And then on the weekend, I would eat all of the things. And then that pattern would start back up again the next week. And it was absolutely exhausting. It was killing me inside. Because I'm telling you, your worst enemy is yourself and the way you think of yourself 
inside of your head. And I just, I, I always had negotiations going with food. Well, I can have that if I do this. If I'm a good girl all week, I can have this. And it was killing me. It was killing me. I was so depressed. I was so unhappy. Although I had this perfect man, Joel, who just loved me no matter what I looked like. If my weight fluctuated, he still loved me. But I wanted to be enough for him because I knew eventually he's going to start judging me if I'm not what society says I need to be. So this battle, this back and forth battle of being enough just never came to an end. I always had to be the best. I always had to look my best. I always had to eat the, 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 the you know, the exact right thing. And, and it was just taking a big toll on me. So we go through college and, you know, I would say it gets a little better. But as I get more comfortable with Joel, I get more comfortable with eating. So when we're together, you know, we go to Mexican was our favorite food in college and we would get chips and salsa. And when I was 21, I would get a margarita or two or three margaritas. Or if I'm at college with my girlfriends, because I came to Springfield my last two years. So I had made friends in Springfield. And if I wanted to go out with my girlfriends, I would go out and drink and eat and drink and eat. So what happens when you do that and you've had disordered eating your whole life? You gain a lot of weight. So I was right back, smack back where I didn't want to be with my weight. I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, what have you done? Who are you? I cannot, how dare you let yourself look like this? I cannot believe that you look like a fat cow. Just like the person used to tell you, you look like a fat cow. That's what I told myself. And I remember going right back to restriction. Can't eat. I can't do this. So the weight came off little by little. And then I put it back on little by little. And then it came back. So it was a pattern again. And it's almost like you're in this prison and you can't get out because you don't know what to do to feel whole. You don't know what to do to feel enough. And I just remember being so sad and so lost and just in complete darkness. And I'm asking God to help me. What do I need to do? And I feel nothing. I just feel numb because it's this this pattern has just been happening for so long. You just feel numb. So I remember... senior year of college, Joel proposed to me and it was one of the most magical times of my life. I loved my, I loved Joel. I loved him with all my heart and for him to propose to me made me feel like I was enough for somebody. So he proposed and instead of feeling happy and excited in that moment, the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, I've got to get into a wedding dress. Oh my gosh, I've got to lose 50 pounds. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What am I going to look like? Is fat going to be hanging off my back? Are my arms going to be toned enough? Oh my gosh, I've got to let my hair grow out. Oh my gosh, I can't eat for the next year. That's what I was thinking when he was proposing to me. So that relationship I had with food was controlling every aspect I had of my life. It was taking away those happy moments I should have been enjoying and filling it with a hoe. So we got engaged, and I remember in the in the days ahead, I was just doing everything I could to get as skinny as I could be for my wedding day. And I remember looking at dresses and trying them on and just crying because I wasn't enough and just crying and saying, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to not eat for a few weeks and work out, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try on dresses again. And I did that, and I was successful, and I lost weight. I was doing P90X at the time, so I was building muscle and feeling good about life. So I finally found a dress and 
We bought the dress. And of course, on my wedding day, Jewel thought I looked like a princess and I thought I looked like, well, let's say it together, a fat cow. I couldn't enjoy my wedding day because I was worried about the way I looked. Because when you embed something in your head at a young age, it sticks with you. And this was no different. So on one of the happiest days of my life where I should have been happy, I was worried about the drinks I was having or the food I was eating or how I looked in my dress. Was it perfect? Was I going to be good enough? Was Joel going to love me? Could he accept me the way that I looked? That's what was going through my head. And that's so very sad. So as we come to the end of today's podcast, I really wanted to dig deep. And the takeaways that I have today is we are so much more than what we look like. We need to learn to love people and to get to know them before we judge a book by its cover. Because when we do that, we're shaping the way that person thinks of themselves. And the truth is, I think a lot of people today feel trapped the way that I used to. And I still feel trapped today some days. I still, some days, as much as I don't want to restrict, I'll restrict or I'll fast or I negotiate. And I just think that we've got to start loving people and we've got to start showing kindness and grace and and standing up for ourselves and saying, you know what, this is not okay. I will not be talked to like this. This is not okay. And walking away when you feel like you need to. And the final takeaway is treating our children with respect and talking to them the way that we want others to talk to them and the way that God created them. They are perfect the way they are. They don't need to lose 10 more pounds to get a whole new wardrobe. They don't need to grow their hair out to be successful. They don't need to have the best makeup to be the best person in school or the best clothes. They are perfect just the way that they are. And I hope that you encourage your children. And I hope that you put them on a pedestal because that's exactly where they belong. And if you see somebody hurting, go reach out and ask ask them how you can help. And the main thing that we have to start doing as a society is showing kindness to everybody that we come in contact with because we don't know what storm they're fighting in their head. So I'm so excited that I got to really go down deep into my childhood struggles and my eating disorder disorders and uh, my disordered way of thinking about myself and my struggle with how people viewed me. And all along, I wish I could have just accepted myself and that would have saved me from a lot of heartbreak. But I take this as a learning opportunity that God has put me through a storm so I can come out the other end and share and hopefully encourage somebody who's maybe going through the same things. Because as women, it's t- as 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 a women and as a woman, it's tough. Life's tough sometimes, and you do feel like you have to be perfect, but we don't, because we're already perfect the way God made us. So next week we're going to go into more about PCOS, infertility, and just some more real good life feels that I think is going to be really beneficial to you. So until next time, stay peachy. This podcast was recorded by me, Mac, and was edited by Charles Robertson.